Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am your Dark Travels hostess, Vina. Tonight, we're going to discuss a haunting poltergeist in Georgia. In the 1870s, just about 90 miles southwest of Savannah, was a small town called Serenci. Serenci is actually named after its founder, Alan Powell Serenci. Alan Powell was born on February 7, 1825, in Tattnall, Georgia. Now, this town that he founds is basically a farm town, and it has about 300 people, but it does have a sawmill, and the sawmill operator is Alan. (laughs) How lucky is that? Anywho, Alan actually becomes rich due to some wheeling and dealing that does leave the other parties of the transaction in a detrimental state. So not the best way to accumulate money, but this is how Alan rolls. And at the age of 23, Alan marries in 1848 a woman by the name of Wealthy Robinson. Yes, that's correct. Her name is Wealthy. They go on to have 11 children, and I'm talking Millard, Sarah, Clementine, Samuel, John, Alan, Robert. There's actually a baby that um, gets born, but either the baby dies very shortly after its birth or is stillborn. Or it, the point is, is that the baby, this baby doesn't have a name, so I don't have a name for this baby. But they go on to have Lulu, Virginia, Alex, and George. And altogether, this family lives in a large two story farmhouse on the edge of the Ultimaha River Swamp, which is near the railroad tracks that went through town. And life, for a time, seems absolutely perfect. But slowly and surely, this perfect life erodes into what will become one of the most widely witnessed, well-documented poltergeist hauntings, basically, that anyone has ever seen. And at the time that this all starts, this haunting poltergeist, the the children range in age from 3 to 21. And for as strange as this entire incident is, it's even more bizarre that there is no actual triggering event, no catalyst that basically launches this family into it. And in fact, it, it just starts from nowhere. And that is the beginning of this confounded situation. The general thought here is is that everything begins when Alan returns home from a trip from Hazelhurst in October of 1872. When he enters his home, he 
bears witness to basically the poltergeist ransacking his home, shaking things, moving things, throwing things around. In fact, he's so distraught by this and startled by this, he even sends a letter to the Savannah Morning stating, and I quote, A few minutes after my arrival, I saw the glass tumblers begin to slide off the slab and the crockery to fall upon the floor and break. The books begin to tumble from their shelves to the floor, while brickbats, billets of wood, smoothing irons, biscuits, potatoes, tin pans, water buckets, pitchers, etc. begin to fall in different parts of my house. Now, naturally, anyone, again, anyone thinking logically, they would look to find a valid reason from this. And he initially thinks it's an earthquake. And, you know, I, I absolutely probably, especially coming from California, that would be my initial thought. But here's the deal. There is no actual shaking of the house, okay? It's just the objects inside the house. In addition to that, none of the neighbors had this type of experience. None of their things were shaking. None of their houses were shaking. So it's just local and limited to him. But this incident is literally just the beginning. Soon, everybody is going to start witnessing some haunting paranormal poltergeist activities and and we're talking furniture moving objects moving or sliding or even just leaping from their from where they're sitting and just throwing themselves into the air and just moving with such pivotal force that they're shattering and at times inanimate objects are getting picked up and kind of like getting pranced around them. We're talking pictures falling from the walls. We're talking windows slamming, opening shut. We're talking even the family clock would strike 13 times before spinning out of control or spinning crazily forward or spinning crazily backwards. Mirrors are cracking. Things are shattering. And if all of this isn't enough. There's the noise that's happening in conjunction with this. We're talking disembodied voices. We're talking banging noises. We're, la- we're talking laughter, footsteps, and even ch- if on top of all of that, we're talking chilling, scary, pitching screams from otherwise empty rooms. And all of this isn't just happening as they're watching, some of the activity is actually kind of engaging with them. There's even an instance where the family were s- was sitting around a dinner, and the utensils that they were utilizing to eat with began twisting and bending as they held them in their own hands. So, I mean, that's just absurd. I mean, here you are trying to eat your potatoes, and the your fork is twisting into this absurd, uh, deformed formation. So, and, and and no room is actually spared. The kitchen, you know, the pots are sp- spilled, things get broken. Again, the knives, the forks, they all get strewn about or, you know, distorted. And it's not just inside the house that very odd, bizarre, and 
you know, downright evil things are happening. In fact, at night, outside, against the edge of the property, they started seeing evil red eyes appearing and basically watching them only to disappear before the sunrise. And, you know, they are picking on these people individually. Wealthy Mrs. Serenci uh, was had an experience where she was doing some stitching. She was, you know, trying to hold it all together, doing her hobby, trying to ignore all the terrible things going around and, you know, God bless her. But either way, apparently, the needles, threads, thimbles, and scissors that she was utilizing for her stitching basically lifted up, elevated, and started spinning around the room in midair by unforeseen hands. Another occasion is a pair of boots basically starts moving on their own as if some unseen force was using them and began just walking about the house. Another time, some food, freshly cooked food, gets elevated right out of the oven and gets thrown out basically the back of the ha- t- out the back door of the house. So again, <laughs> they're trying to do their they're trying to live their lives. They have this farm. The mom's trying to do her hobby. And on top of all of this, this poltergeist, this haunting has the kind of power to basically teleport things out of thin air. So here's a prime example of what happened to their daughter, their daughter Clementine. Clementine apparently was walking along the front path when she was suddenly caught up in a hailstorm of hot falling bricks that literally come out of nowhere. And she's dodging bricks, she's running, she's trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And it I, I don't believe she had any injuries, but that is unreal. But she's actually not the only child uh, to be assaulted. They're one of the sons. He gets not only chased by an and iron, he gets knocked in the head with it. And then the entity returns the and iron back to the fireplace. So Clementine's getting chased by hot falling bricks. The other young, her brother's getting knocked in the head, but these are not isolated incidences. In fact, if anything, all the children are being tormented, okay? Their hair is getting pulled. Their beds are um, shaking. They're getting pulled from their bed. They're getting their blankets, covers, yanked off of them. Everybody is having some type of experience that is just draining them and basically beating them down. In fact, they're losing sleep. The whole family is losing sleep. They're not eating very well. And it's just truly, truly wearing them all down. Now, they're so desperate, the family, the Serenci family is so desperate that they reach out to the community. They reach out. Like I said, they talk to the newspapers. They're asking for help. They reach out to the community. They're asking their neighbors, you know, how do we fix this? What What is this? So this situation becomes quite the phenomenon, okay? People all over the country, the United States, come in droves. And not just the United States. I'm talking as far away as Canada. 
and I'm talking as far away as England, they all come to see what is happening at Sorensi. And the people that are coming, they're not just spectators. We're talking scientists. We're talking religious people. We're talking psychics. We're talking people that probably could, in some level, have an idea what's going on. And this kind of actually backfires. This idea of having witnesses come in the droves that they do come kind of backfires because now it seems like the poltergeist, the ghost, knows it's got an audience. So now it feels even more compelled to perform. So it actually heightens the game, if you will. It heightens, it pulls its best tricks from its poltergeist bag, okay? They even, the poltergeist, even goes so far as to teleporting barnyard animals from the barnyard, from outside, from the side of the house, into the living room. So soon enough, witnesses are seeing hogs and chickens just teleport right into the living room. In fact, it, it's, it is so startling. One reporter was, was like, oh, my God, it just totally uh, frightened me, frightened the hell out of me. In another instance, there apparently there was a log that, like, flew from the fireplace all the way across the room, you know, again, showing off for the visitors. And none of this helped, okay, them reaching out to the community only attracted this insane response from the media, from all the Debbie doubters, but nobody, nobody helped. So what they decided to do was they, they decided to leave. They said, you know, we can't solve this. No one's helping us. We need to leave. So they up and move away. Sadly, though, Poltergeists are like unresolved, bad, hurt feelings. If you don't address them, they follow you. So that's exactly what happened. The poltergeist followed them to their new place. And so the Serenci, understanding that they couldn't get escape, actually returned to the home and they basically deal with it until... Mr. Serenci dies in 1877. So five years, five years of torture. And, I mean, he's only 52. So obviously this stress and anxiety, without a doubt, contributed to an early death for him. But all all activity completely dies forever when the house burns down in 1925. And... You know, it's gone. It's done. It's over. The the poltergeist haunting has passed. However, in reflection of how all the activity stopped when Alan died, gives way to people coming up with a few theories. One, there was a thought that perhaps Mr. Serenci was in cahoots with the devil, you know, and... He had made his fortune at the detriment of others, and he was living, you know, la vida loca, and it was time for him to pay or cough up whatever his end of the bargain was, or the devil decided to just toy with him. I don't know. But I have to say, in all my years of documentaries and 
reading and research, the devil doesn't normally play poltergeist. He just kind of, it's not really his thing, or to my understanding, it's not really his thing. So I'm going to say no to that. I don't really think that might have been it. Another kind of theory that kind of came up was, you know, perhaps it was a black magic scenario. Another theory that was actually mentioned by a medium was that the ghosts in the vicinity were trying to make contact with the Serenzi family, and instead of acknowledging and engaging and trying to resolve whatever the ghosts' issues were, the ghosts acted out when they were basically ignored by the humans. Again, I don't know. It's a good theory. Another theory that is pers- is pretty plausible is that perhaps where the family home was built it was built on type of some type of sacred or spiritual burial ground or a a place of spiritual significance and that does seem logical i mean i can't tell you how many times we have seen movies or read stories on how homes or places were built on burial grounds and you know poltergeist activity actually happened So, I mean, that is, to me, one of the most valid theories that's out there. But another theory that I haven't seen but I do think might be also a possibility is, like I said before, this family was huge, okay? You had 10 children that survived, and they were between the ages of 3 and 21, which means they had teenagers. And there is some theories that, you know, if... Some if someone has psychic energy and is made to suppress that or forces themselves to suppress it because of maybe religious reasons or fear of their parents, then the psychic energy comes out in the form of a poltergeist. And again, it is a strong consideration that if you have psychic powers and you don't control it, It'll come out in other ways, but more importantly, you don't even know you're the one that's doing it because you've suppressed this energy, and it just comes out in another way. So there are some really good theories, and to me what's kind of telling about the death of Mr. Sorensi, you know, maybe one or two children who had this capability was very angry at him for because he made them suppress it or he opposed it or... He punished them for having it. You know, who knows? But it is very telling, in my opinion, that it all ends when he dies. So, very some very good theories. And, you know, at the end of the day, we don't know because we're talking, because we're talking almost 150 years ago. And even though this is considered one of the most well-documented cases, again, I didn't see any follow-up in terms of what the children might have experienced after the passing of their dad. Now, the other interesting thing that some people kind of see as a correlation to this is uh, Serenzi is also famous for another paranormal occurrence. I am referring to the Serenzi spook-like, or they call it ghost light, depending on who, uh, which article you read. It's either a spook light or it's a ghost light. Now, this light, either way, is a ball of light that is seen hovering 
over the Serenzi train tracks. Again, there's there's that thing with the train tracks. And naturally, there is a ghost story that is associated with this. Again, it's a ghost story. Uh, I didn't see anything in my research to confirm who these people are, but here's the story. One night, a husband and wife were arguing, and the wife got so distraught that she ran out of the house, and she was so you know, overwrought with emotion and completely upset that she ran out into the railroad tracks and she was hit and killed by an oncoming train. And it is believed that this ghost light, this spook light, is actually the lantern of her poor husband chasing after her, looking for her, worried about her, trying to find her and there have been reports of people seeing a woman with long blonde hair walking along the tracks in the middle of the night crying so you know maybe the light is him looking for her maybe she's looking for him maybe they're both really sorry i i don't know but this is the story now this spook light apparently has been going on for several several years. And if this isn't weird enough between the poltergeist and the ghost light, in 1895, during a regional seismic survey, it was discovered that there was this geological anomaly found deep under the town of Serenci. And what it was is it's a convex-shaped pocket of liquid located about nine miles underground and reportedly it is unlike anything else in the world in fact the scientists who looked into this are quite puzzled by this because supposedly liquid isn't supposed to be able to form that far underground you know it's entirely possible because there is a thought that water does generate a certain type of energy a certain type of paranormal energy So between the poltergeist haunting of the town owner, between the ghost light, spook light found above the railroad tracks, which is near the swamp, and now this anomaly, it is entirely possible that all of these things have been generated because of this unique situation that is particular to this location. And, you know, that's the thing about hauntings. That's the beauty of hauntings. But that is all I have for tonight for Georgia. Uh, So some business. In case you didn't have a chance to listen to my Killing Couples special. So (laughs) um, for February, I decided to do uh, a series uh, called Killer Couples. In the in the name of love, February slash love, I'm going to release every Tuesday an episode pertaining to couples that kill or killing couples. True crime is your thing. Check it out. Now, I had mentioned in that episode that I'm going to launch a giveaway. This is for the whole month of February, and it's very simple. All you need to do is send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. And all you need to do, because it's a giveaway, just let me know which one has been your favorite episode. Add your name, address, and I'll print it out, put it in the bucket, and I will pull it for the episode of March 4th. So 
All entries need to be in by February 28th. So good luck to everybody. Um, another thing, I'm on Facebook. If you're interested, just poke around. If you want to join, send me a request. And I am still collecting listener tales. I, I'm curious to see if any of you guys have had any experiences. I want to read them. Send them my way. However, if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are or have a specific tourist attraction in mind, send me an email at, again, where the dark corners are at gmail.com. So until next time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. <laughs> <laughs>